Welcome to Digital First Leadership, the podcast that focuses on helping leaders and teams understand how to master the language of social media in today's digital first world. In this first episode of season two, Richard sits down with Tom Mendoza, who is currently a member of the board of directors at UiPath, Veronis, and Vastdata. He's also the vice chairman and former president at NetApp. Tom and Richard have been working together for years, and in this episode, they tell the story of Tom's hesitant transition to digital first leadership, as well as the Tom Mendoza goal-setting strategies. In this episode, Tom and Richard share the stories and drive home the ideas that social media has a greater impact on leadership capabilities than ever before. Tom, thank you very much for joining me. I really appreciate it. My pleasure, Richard. It has always been fun. As those who don't know, you and I have been working together for many years uh, around, around this concept of social media. And you have been, you've been retired now for a while, but you've been extremely active is a good way of saying it, haven't you? With the whole social media and what you've been, your voice out there. Tell, yeah. tell the audience a little bit about that. Well, as you well know, originally I did not want to get in social media. I was like, my quote to you is, what do I care what Kim Kardashian had for breakfast? That was my my view. And I'll bet a lot of people listening are thinking, I'm not sure I want to do that either. It's just how it right. is. Um, it was when I went to India and I got to speak in front of many, many people over a two-day period. But I got on the plane and I, I started laughing. I said, I just missed 1.3 billion people. Right. That's what I got back to you. And, and so... What I was doing speaking all over the world when I was at NetApp was about culture, leadership, things that you know, we voted the number one company to place for, the United States to work for, but also renowned for a culture that we built. And you said to me, all those messages could be captured in different ways for different platforms. And so that's how it started. And then we had YouTube that we put out and they became very popular. I walked into many companies that use them for training after that. I remember talking to the largest energy company in Illinois and I walked in and everybody started applauding and they said, they've been looking at your videos for two years now. Um, I had an event where we were at the, where they held the Grammys and I walked out and uh, there were people waiting for me because they had followed me and felt like we knew each other. Uh, so we extended that to LinkedIn, which I think is a great platform for professional thoughts. I even extended beyond that. As you know, I put one out recently about the golf round with Tiger Woods and Warren Buffett. It's, yeah, uh, let's just say, so, so, so the audience knows you put out a post as of the recording of this episode about a week ago, right? Tiger Woods, Warren Buffett. It was about a week ago. Uh, it was on the 18th of March, and, and this is the 23rd, so five days ago. Yeah. That post generated, how many, how many views did you get on that post? I, I think like in a day? It's got 287,000 right now, and it's, it's still going. It's 450 comments, so people are interacting with it. Right. Got 4, 000, almost 4,000 likes as of today. But people are interacting with it and sharing their thoughts back. So the, the power of the end of the day, let's take a step back. What made me successful, I think, as a sales leader is really personalizing how I sold. You know, I, when I would travel somewhere, I would meet somebody once, but I'd always have my sales guy. I'd say, listen, contact me every quarter and remind me to, to reach back out to that person because I can't do it with all the calls I was making. And so many people said, you're one of the few people actually follow up. And I just remembered the conversation I built upon it. And I created a relationship, 
Even if I only met him once, we had multiple interactions. Well, with social media, that became enormously more expanded, the amount of people. It wasn't just people I had met once. It's people I never met. And I'll get, I'll get uh, people connect to me, direct connect, and they'll just say, look, I've been following for years. I use these with my kids. And they tell me what the Forbes article. And at the end of the day, we're engaging at a whole different level. But it's people buying from people. People want to know people that they admire or feel good about. And this allowed me to do that. So that that became extraordinarily valuable. And once I retired, it really didn't change anything other than I was retired from NetApp. But I'm still on the board of three dynamic companies. And I get asked to do all kinds of stuff and give advice on this and some cases mentor. You know, I got to be careful with my time. But I, I really don't find it that invasive because I don't have a problem saying no. And people don't have a problem hearing no. I'm busy. I can't. Got it. But there's also things that have come my way that probably I would never have known about simply because people had access to me in an easy format. So it's been very good. What I've really enjoyed is the work that you're doing with Notre Dame at the moment. Uh, the, obviously, yeah. the College of Business there is the Mendoza College of Business. But what you've yeah. been doing with the, the dean and the team there has really kind of, it's, I don't want to say a second career because it's not that at all, but it's ability for you to take all of, a lot of this knowledge that you have and the relationships you have and share those with a new generation. Yeah. So to... Dean Kremers is a fantastic dean. He's been the dean, I think, going on two years now and very creative. And he asked me to start a speaker series a year ago. I, I gave a talk for, I was the original speaker of his dean speaker series. And he said, look, you just, the way you handle yourself and the way you have conversations, it's, I just think people would learn so much. And I love that because I've always felt, and I've done this before in my career uh, where I've had very interesting people I've had conversations with and I've exposed the teams at NetApp to them. I, in early days, I did it on phone calls with some very high-profile people. And, but it, I've always thought the most interesting thing in the world is a conversation between two people. And now I'm just letting other people listen in. Right. Charlie Rose actually said that to me. I did it with Charlie Rose. I said to him, how did you start? And he said, I've always thought the most interesting thing in the world was a conversation. And I, I'm like, yes, that's how I feel. That's why I love New York City. I go to dinners with people. Why? Because I like to have the conversation. But this is a chance for others to listen. So this Dean Speaker Series, I pick people that have been spectacularly successful in their life. So far, three out of three came from very, very modest beginnings. None of these people were born on third base and thinking they had a triple type people. They they came from modest means, rose up, and over a series of decisions had great things happen to them. So I, I like to explore what decisions were those? What did what did you do right? And then I like to talk about what they've done out, how they think about the world outside of just their business acumen. Um, all of them are very, very good at giving back and supporting other things. Now I always felt when we started NetApp, you know, we had an offsite. We said, what are we here to do? And we came away with, we're going to create a company we're proud of the rest of our lives. And you're not just going to be proud of how much money you made. That's not, I can't imagine that being the number one pride thing. It's, it's not what you make or take. It's what you give back and the impact you make. And all three of those people are models of that. So the people that I'm thinking about putting on next are right in that vein there. 
they're humble, they're tremendously successful, they have lessons that I know other people can learn from. And you listen to the three, these people have been phenomenal. Yeah. You know, Carl Eschenbach, Jay Sheree, Ulal of CEO of Arista, and then Guy Sherrill last time was spectacular, I thought. Um, but in all different, all interesting in different ways, just like all people are. And it makes it interesting. I got to tell you this. You don't know this. Um, and we've known each other a long time, but I have, and you know that I have my own company. Uh, yep. You have been instrumental in the encouragement of making that happen for the last uh, couple of years. And my team now is up to 10 people. And when I sit down with my team and I talked to them this morning, because I knew we were going to have this conversation. And I told them, I said, look, we're going to implement a, a little uh, program. It's the uh, Mendoza 90 day goal program. And I'm going to, and, and I've modified it. I've said, I'd like each of you to come to the next team meeting with a single goal that you're willing to share with the team. And we will all be accountable to each other to help us reach that goal individually. And, and oh. they asked me, I said, does this have to do with the business? I said, actually, no, it has to do with you professionally. And so I thought, yeah, there's uh, there's the Mendoza uh, goal setting. And then that a concept of building a culture that uh, you can be proud of. And it, it's, it's something that permeates because we get to listen to your videos here at uh, bliss point. We get to talk about That's it. Cool. And it's a, it's well, a very day goal setting. You and I worked that, that was something I'd given a lot of talks about, but we put that out on LinkedIn that got 400,000. Yeah. yeah. yeah uh, we'll 200,000 a day. Yeah. And, and uh, to this day, I get people sending me notes about they've implemented the system very, very effectively. It's, if it's, anybody it's, listening is interested, you can see them. Um, Forbes.com or right. It's out there. Uh, that brings up another one. And that is the, uh, this, so as you've been doing this work, you've got so many stories that you'd like to share. I'm going to ask you to indulge because you and I had talked about how to tell this story and it didn't quite fit on LinkedIn, but it's the, it's the pie, pie story. story. It's the <laughs> pie story. I need, I'd like to, love to have you tell our audience All because right. now we're not limited by character count or word count. No, you just, it's a fantastic story. And it goes with your third guest, right? The guy, doesn't it tie into guy? Does it tie into guy? No, no, no. no. That's right. No, so I was a, I was a junior at Notre Dame and a friend of mine said, was there any high, any teachers you've had in your life that stand out as really affecting your life? And immediately I thought of this teacher named Mr. Puglisi, who was my senior year in high school. I, I had moved to Tampa. Uh, my dad changed careers. But your senior year in high school, when you leave where you are and you go to Tampa from New York, uh, it was not a great experience for me in a lot of ways. I mean, this was a time of race, racial violence in the United States, all white school and all black school across the street. Uh, they didn't like people from New York, so it was not friendly. Uh, I was angry. <laughs> the only way I could go to college was a wrestling scholarship. They didn't have a wrestling team. So, I mean, it was just like unbelievably negative from my perspective. So I was angry. And uh, this one teacher, I took it out. I mean, I just argued with him a lot. He taught basically political science. I don't know what they called it at the time. But we were arguing about the Vietnam War. This was the year 1968. So it was a very hot topic in the United States. And I got so angry with him because he was arguing that we shouldn't be there, blah, blah, blah. And I was, I was mouthing things that my dad said. That's really what I hadn't really looked into it much. And so I read a ton just to prove him wrong. And then I agree with him. <laughs> I mean, the more I read over a period of time, 
I became very much on the same page as him because of facts. And what it taught me was to think for myself. It was one of the great lessons of my life. And don't just accept how other people around you think. It's more important than ever right now that people just only listen to the news that already agrees with them. But I come to my own decision by reading things from different angles. So I called the school and I said, I want to talk to Mr. Baglesius. Oh, he left. He left a couple of years ago. You called him because how many years had gone by? Three. Three years. Okay. Yeah, so I called just said, I just want to tell him you had a big impact on my life. Because he said to me, Did you ever tell him? I said, No, that's a great idea. So I called. Couldn't find him. He said, no, he left, and we don't know where he went. He left uh, almost three years ago. I'm like, ah. So I did a couple of forays where I tried to find out, but nothing. And then you fast forward to, I think it was 34 years later. Right. (laughs) And I go to Notre Dame. This is four years after the endowment. And I go to Notre Dame to give a talk, and it wasn't an expected talk. Can you be there, you know, to speak at a particular function? I said, sure. So I flew in for it by myself. And I'm checking into a place called Morrison, which is on a campus. Never stayed there before, except during the endowment. But it's not a place I normally stay, because I have a lot of guys that we normally have off campus. And uh, a woman goes, Mr. Mendoza, you've got uh, something was sent to you here. I go, you sure? I said, uh, no one's expecting me here. No, no, it was, so what is it? She said, it looks like a pie. I said, whoa, whoa, whoa. No one who knows me would send me a pie. I'm not a pie kind of guy. She's like, no, it's, it's a pie for you. I'm like, I said, put it in water. Make sure it doesn't blow up. <laughs> she goes, no, 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 it's a pie. I can tell you. I said, is there a card there? Yeah, she opens it. says, dear Nana. And it's somebody else. I said, I told you. I don't know why my name's on it. It's not for me. It's not. So I go home a couple days later, and uh, Monday or Tuesday of the week, I get a call from my guy in Tampa. I had given a talk. I never have given talks everywhere, right? And he says, uh, do you know a guy named Mr. Puglisi? I'm like, that's the guy. I go, what about him? Well, there's a place here called Dick's Pies in Tampa. And you spoke here, and we bought you a pie. This guy bought me a pie. And we sent it to you. And Dick sent one to his mother, who's Nana, or his grandma, his grandmother. Right. And somehow the pie that she got has your name in it and your, my card. And so Mr. Puglisi's grandmother got your pie. And I got her pie. And you got her pie. You're in no, at Notre Dame. She's like wherever. It's been thirty. Oh, sorry, say how did they know about Notre Dame? Well, this guy called my admin and said, "Is Tom traveling? We'd like to surprise him." That's why it came to Notre Dame. Totally. But again, this company did thousands and thousands of pies a day out of Tampa, and two pies cross, and it's me and him. And so Mr. Puglisi called that guy and said. Tom Mendoza, I, I taught at Tom Mendoza. In he high says, school? It, did, did he ever live in Tampa? That's what my guy said, did you ever live in Tampa? My guy. I said, yes, I did. I went to senior high school there. He said, did you get, did you have a teacher named Mr. Puglisi? Because he wasn't sure the guy was right. The guy wasn't sure he was right. Yes, I did. And I've been trying to find him for 30, 
five years. And we end up getting on the phone. It was it was amazing. And he now knows what I did with my life. And he said, would you honor me by coming down here and speaking at my business school? When he left the high school, he went to the uh, University of South Florida, the Gus Stavros Center, and he is now the dean of it. And it's the Gus Stavros Center of Entrepreneurship. They take people coming into the country who don't have natu- natural entrepreneurial skills from wherever they came, and they teach them. Gus Stavros was an immigrant. He developed those skills, made a lot of money as a car dealer, and he developed it. So I go down there. Mr. Baglisi, I had dinner with him the night before, met his wife, who was on with and then um, and his kids. And then he introduced me with the pie story. Right. I mean, there are certain things that you just can't explain. No. Two pies getting sent arbitrarily to two people who haven't connected in 35 years. Across the and country. I, right. Yeah, I had the honor. They, uh, they honored him big when he retired, and I had the honor again of participating in that we're still in contact it's pretty crazy that is a pretty great story and you know as we think about being online and present you're starting to hear those not no there's no story that can top that but you're starting to hear people are connecting with people i was just telling you right before we got on the call i was on the call with a prospective client he didn't know me i didn't know him and uh your name came up uh i brought it up we have a drinking game here, Tom. Every time your name comes up, uh, we drink. Good thing I don't drink <laughs> alcohol. Water in your case, but yeah, there's water in my case. Um, yeah, yeah. And he said, Tom Mendoza, and he holds up his book. You mean the same Tom Mendoza that's on the back of my book that I just wrote? I'm like, yeah, the same Tom Mendoza who's doing the forward in my book. Suddenly we connected. You made it possible. Yeah. But again, it's being present now. You, I mean, so many we see retire and kind of just disappear from the, the scene. But you've been yeah. so present engaging with this new audience, engaging with this new generation of students at Notre Dame, but also businesses and colleges and yeah. universities all around the world. I never looked at it as retiring from life. I looked at it as, I, don't, I never knew, like, like I was not going to sit on a beach or play golf all the time and be in some retirement community. That was never. That was never in your cards. I, I don't like old people who act old. old. <laughs> I don't mind people getting old. I just don't see, like to hang around people who act old. Right. So, and I think, Part of what living a good life is, is keeping your mind active and in the game and whatever that means to you. And this has really allowed me to do it. You know, the Zoom, I've been, you know, I've done Zoom kickoff talks. I've done, funny thing is I signed up with the Washington Speakers Bureau last April. They were going to put me out on the road. Apparently that didn't work out too well. That, 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 was, that was in April. Yeah, that didn't work out. <laughs> but, you know, I've done some Zoom things like for St. Jude's Hospital. I did a fundraiser where they had me as a speaker. I've done a, quite a few things that just interest me. Yep. And this is well, well, I was going to ask because the last public speaking event you did, I suspect, is in San Francisco, right? Wasn't that? Yeah. Wasn't that was you and I? Yeah. Um, I, I was there, you know, sitting in the audience with you as you, as as I came up to see you, and that was the last speaking. That was back in February of in person yeah. public speaking. That's right. That's right. That was it. And you were, as I recall, you were ill. Yeah, and, ill. Uh, I, I, looking back, I think I, I may have had COVID just because I had come off two long trips right in a row. Right. Came back to New York, yep. which was hitting New York hard. And I was really sick in New York. And I was isolated in my house just because I was so ill. I never went back to get the, the tests because I wouldn't have changed my behavior. Right. You know, I, I locked myself down just like 
most smart people did over the last year. Yep. Not, not well, a fan of those who didn't. But. No. And uh, you're in Miami Beach at the moment. And as the time you know, of this week. Rec- I'm a COVID refugee. We came down here and uh, yeah, you've been in New York so hard. So, yeah. Yeah. So, well, I appreciate you taking the time to share stories with us to talk about it because it's always fun to spend this time and very much appreciate it. Tom, thank you. Continue to be an inspiration and an example to so many people. Let's do it again, Richard. We will. Take care, man. You've been listening to Digital First Leadership, the podcast where you learn to leverage and build your expertise on digital platforms. For more valuable tips on mastering the language of social media, subscribe to our newsletter at blisspointconsult.com. If you'd like to stay in touch, feel free to add Richard on LinkedIn and join the conversation.